so the core conceit of the book, obviously, First Peter, as we're going through First Peter, the core conceit of the book is the idea of exiles and sojourners, right? We've talked about that at, at length. Uh, we see a lot of verses that talk about that. 1-1, one, one, uh, if we go back to chapter 1-1, one, one, uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, 1-4, to an inheritance un imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That is the thing that we're looking for is away from where we are. Uh, Vert 117, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So again, this is the central conceit of the book, right? You guys are not where you belong. So script, uh, our scripture this this morning, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it's really hard for me to get out of the this week mode of saying stuff. Uh, the scripture that we are going to read this morning in Set First Peter two four through five. This is about a building, right? You come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Uh, what is he saying here? You feel like maybe you're not at home. You feel like maybe you don't belong. So God is literally building you into a house, right? Isn't that what he's saying? God is building you into a house for himself. Now, there's other places to talk about this idea uh, that you're being in, built into a spiritual house. The First Corinthians, Paul talks about us being the temple of God, right? We're the household of God. The church is uh, the, the, the house of God. The, the church is... The household of God, which is the church, I think, is what he says. Uh, so there's a lot of language like this in the New Testament. If we don't feel like we belong, God is building us into a place that we can belong, right? Isn't that what he's saying? A place where we can, he belongs and thus we find belonging with him in this spiritual house that he is building. Now, what is the purpose of this home? You'll notice in chapter 1, verse 7, way back in verse chapter 1, verse 7, that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 2, 5, we see a similar thing here. You yourselves are being built into a spiritual house, what? To offer ex uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, what are these sacrifices? That would be the, the logical question, right? Uh, these sacrifices that we're going to be offering that result in the praise and glory and honor of Jesus Christ, that's the purpose of this structure that's being built, that we are being built into. This structure, of course, as all structures must, begins with the cornerstone. And this cornerstone idea is going to be an important idea, an important concept for these sacrifices that we're offering. The cornerstone is what? Uh, let's read the next section of the text. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him, it's an interesting him, right? Will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Uh, and so we can, obviously we know the 
the cornerstone importance, I think, right? The importance of the cornerstone was what? Well, this was the stone you're going to lay first that's going to determine the, the different the, the direction of the building, right? As if the cornerstone is not cut correctly, then the building would be off. It's the thing that was going to uh, be the, the initial start of the building. So if, if God is building us into the spiritual house, he's building us in this, he's building us into this place where we can find belonging. We who are exiles, we who are, who are feeling alienated in the world, we can find belonging in this house that's being built, starting with the cornerstone. Now, even this verse contrasts the in-group and the out-group, right? We're, we're continuing this contrast. Those who are in the group and those who are not, those who belong and those who do not. Now, here he reverses it. You may not belong in the world, but there's people who belong in this structure, and there's people who do not belong in this structure, right? The honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, then Jesus becomes this thing. Now, we're going to talk about these scriptures. He's got a couple of interesting quotations in this. We're going to look at some of the references here. If you look at your Bibles, you'll see probably footnotes or highlights or references or something that tell you where he's quoting this from. He's got a couple of interesting quotes. The first one that we're going to look at, uh, the idea of the stone that the builders rejected. Psalm, this comes from Psalm 118, 19 through 22. And I've, what we're doing, what we're going to see here as we go through these quotations, Peter quotes a verse. We're going to look at the original context and then how it applies, not just in Peter, but in the rest of the New Testament, because he's weaving some interesting themes together in this letter. So Psalm 118, 19 through 22, where this quote is taken Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, who are the builders? In the psalmist's eyes, Israel rejected the psalmist. If you look at Psalm 118, he had been rejected by Israel. He's probably talking about Israel and, and the, they're the builders, right? But in Peter's context, I think that's, again, Israel is rejected Jesus. We talked about this. I didn't plan it. We just talked about it on, on Wednesday night, right? In Romans, how Israel rejected Jesus. They're the builders. The builders have rejected this, this stone that ends up becoming the most important stone, the cornerstone. Note what else this quote references, right? Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Very reminiscent of John 14. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, right? We know that Jesus is the way to righteousness. And and so when he references this, I, I, don't, it's, I don't imagine that his readers are getting all of this necessarily at the time. But we, of course, looking back and seeing the totality of Scripture, it's easier for us because we have such good tools to study the Bible. But if Peter is saying you're being built into a spiritual house, the cornerstone of which is Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected, and that same text talks about this way or this gate of righteousness— we know that it's only through Jesus that we can offer these spiritual acceptable sacrifices, right? If that's the purpose of the house, which it is, we can go back to that text real quick, right? If we know that the purpose of the spiritual house is to offer spiritual sacrifices, again, how do we do that? Through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to righteousness is through Jesus. So we know that, uh, I don't know, again, it's hard to know how much he was intending of these, these connections in the original 
intent of his letter, but they are there in the text for us to read because, of course, the Holy Spirit knows how all of it's going to fit together. Uh, the other, the second quotation that he uses uh, from Psalm, uh, not Psalm, sorry, from Isaiah 8, the stone of stumbling, Isaiah 8, 12 through 14, where he pulls this from, do not call conspiracy all things that are... Co- All that this people calls conspiracy, do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Uh, this, This verse is very interesting as well, isn't it? Isaiah is speaking of... Those who needed to choose, right? Either follow the crowd, follow Israel, follow both houses of Israel, or follow the Lord. You can't do both. You got to pick one. Don't. You can either go with the people and do what all the people are doing, or you can stick with the Lord. You could fear them. You can fear the Lord. Those are your options. He's presenting that option to Israel as he does, and in, in, God does that throughout many of the prophets, right? By rejecting God's ways... His commands had caused them to stumble, right? They were stumbling because they were not doing what God had wanted them to do. Now, that's the Isaiah's context, and it is a very similar context to our own, right? Isn't this the very same thing that Peter has been saying the whole time? You can either live the way the world lives, live the way of the place that you are physically living in, the place that you maybe feel like you don't belong, but because we feel like we don't belong, because we're exiles, it can be easy to just sort of go with the world that i'm going to do what the world thinks and i'm going to i'm going to think what the world thinks and i'm going to say what the world says and i'm going to live the way the world lives well again isaiah's warning is very apt isn't it what does he say again he says don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy do not fear what they fear don't think like they think but what now it's interesting that peter already said in first peter 1 which i have on the screen first peter 1 14 through 17 as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds then what conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile very again it's hard again to know how much peter intended of all of these connections the spirit i think very much intended them as he's the spirit is inspiring peter don't fear the world but let him in Isaiah be your fear. And then what will happen if you set, if you reject the world, you reject what the world thinks, you reject the way the world lives, what happens? He becomes a sanctuary for you because we are be, being built into that sanctuary, are we not? The church is the sanctuary, the spiritual house that is being built into something that can offer spiritual accept, uh, acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. So Peter is presenting us with the same choice and this idea of the stone of stumbling, right? The, the rock of offense, what does that mean? It's very interesting. If we try to follow Jesus and the world, we'll fail, we'll stumble, we'll fall. You can't do both. It's like trying to follow two trails at once, right? If you're trying to straddle both trails, there's one that goes this way and one that goes that way. And if you're trying to keep one foot in both, there's just no way. You can't do it. So he becomes a stone of stumbling. 
because we can't we, we can't do both. If we're going to go the way of the world and the way of Jesus, ultimately we'll fail. And ultimately we won't go the way of Jesus, right? We'll stumble and stumble and stumble and never get there. The rock of offense. Jesus' teachings will never be favorable for the majority. They just, they won't. He demands too much. He demands things the world does not like because this, again, Paul says this in another place, right? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The mind that is set in the flesh cannot please God. Of course, the world is not going to like Jesus. He is going to be a stone or a rock of offense. Obviously, his teaching is offensive. And if we follow his teaching, if we teach all that he taught, then we will be a in some ways offensive. Not that we're going to be rude, not that we're going to be mean, not that we're going to be hurtful, obviously. But there is rejection, isn't there? And that's his point. I think as he, he quotes from, we'll put it back on the screen, he quotes from Isaiah 8, 12 through 14. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Don't fear the rejection of the world. You already don't belong in the world, right? He says that over and over again to those who are elect exiles. Uh, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Don't fear what they fear. You are being built into a, we, I should say we there. We are being built into this spiritual house based on the cornerstone that is Jesus, a stone that causes many to stumble, a stone that offends many, but we are being built with what purpose in mind? Again, remember the purpose. I, again, I can put it up there. I don't need to just paraphrase it. The purpose that we have, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. How many times has he used that word holy already? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That is the point. You feel like you don't belong. You belong in the church doing the things that the church is supposed to be doing, those spiritual sacrifices. Not, And it's interesting he contrasts this, of course, for the, for the Israelites. He's contrasting this, what, with the old physical sacrifices that no longer apply. Now we're offering spiritual ones, better sacrifices, right? Now, ultimately, 1 Peter 2.8 the end conclusion here, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now, this very much dovetails, again, this idea of destined. What does that mean? Well, I think he's talking a lot of what Paul was talking about. Yeah, they did reject the cornerstone. They did need to reject the cornerstone. But both Peter and Paul, when, he, when Paul talks about it in Romans 9 and Peter talks about it here, there is a, a point at which that was done and now the house is being built and you could come join and be in the house. He's talking, of course, to Israel here, right? They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do, but they could change that. They could now be, from his perspective, they're obviously long dead from our perspective, but they could have turned and accepted and become part of this spiritual house that was being built. Unlike the temple, and again, contrasting this perhaps with the temple that had been destroyed, unlike that physical building that Israel had always wanted to, to go to and be a part of and have in their worship, that thing had gone away. Now they could be a part of something better. And this is ultimately what it comes down to, right? Will we obey or no? That's the question. Will we obey? Will we do holy things? Isn't that what Peter ultimately is saying? He's already spoken of this in so many places. One fifteen. 
for the this is the will of uh, no that's 215 although it has the same idea uh 115 but as he who called you is holy be holy in all your conduct 122 having purified your souls by obedience to the truth and then ultimately two two longing for the like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation it's all about how we respond to the word isn't it if we want to be a part of this house this thing that is being built for us to belong in this is our home that uh, while we're on earth the church is our home is it not because we don't belong in the earth we don't belong with the world we don't belong in this place where people don't accept what jesus wants and they don't accept the, the commands of god and there's this separation and there's re rejection but god is building for himself a house where his people can belong where he himself lives and I love that idea that, that even though we're separated right now, because this house is spiritual, we're still in it. It's not the building. The church building is not the house, right? It's the brick and mortar of, of Christians who have dedicated themselves to God, who have given their lives to a higher calling, to a better purpose. You and I are part of the spiritual house right now at this moment. This is where we belong together as a church, as we hopefully live holy lives, obeying the word. I hope we will not follow those destined to, for doom, right? Isn't that what he's saying, right? That we, they stumble because they disobey as the, the word as they were destined to do. And we know that their ultimate destiny is something far worse. And I hope that we will conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile, trying to live the life that God wants us to live. Let's end in a prayer. God, we thank you for this house that is being built for us. We thank you for including us in your holy dwelling. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the blessing of fellowship with other parts of this structure that you are building for your own glory. Help us to glorify you in all that we do to offer those spiritual sacrifices acceptable to you because you are worthy of it and because you are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.